Women have always been a force for peace, but their contributions have mostly remained unrecognized and unsupported. The UN Security Council Resolution 1325 on Women, Peace and Security set out to change that. Nearly 20 years after its adoption, where are we now? What is the future of Women, Peace and Security? Hello and welcome to another episode of GNWP Talks 1325. My name is Shevi Thakur and I'm a research and advocacy intern at the Global Network of Women Peace Builders. Before we get started, a brief introduction of Resolution 1325. The UN Security Council adopted the groundbreaking resolution on women in peace and security on October 31, 2000. Resolution 1325 reaffirms the crucial role of women in the prevention and resolution of conflict, peace negotiations, peacebuilding, peacekeeping, humanitarian response, and post-conflict reconstruction. Hello, my name is Hidehiko Yamashita, also an intern at the GNWP. In today's series, we will discuss how we can further promote and implement 1325 as we approach its 20th anniversary in 2020. We are delighted to have Ambassador Amaru Choudhury with us today. Ambassador Choudhury's initiative as the President of the UN Security Council in March 2000 achieved the political and conceptual breakthrough leading to the adoption of the groundbreaking UN Security Council Resolution 1325, which recognized the law and contribution of women in peace and security for the first time. Thank you very much. I am delighted to be joining you Shivi and Hidehiko, my students on the culture of peace at the Soka University of America. Uh, I'm very happy that you are interning with the Global Network for Women's Peace Builders. And this podcast is an initiative of that civil society entity. I am particularly thankful to GNWP for their long-term advocacy and efforts to implement the Resolution 1325. Nearly more than 20 years they have been at it and they have brought in a real effective uh, implementation process for the resolution through their initiative of localization through their initiative of appropriate budgeting, through their initiative of institution building and training of people at the country level. I think this is remarkable. Oh, thank you so much, Ambassador, for your very kind and generous words. All right, so let's start with our first question for you today. As president of the UN Security Council in 2000, you were the initiator of the UN's Women in Peace and Security Agenda. And obviously you've worn the UN hat for a really long time. But in addition to that, you've also worn the member state hat when you were representing Bangladesh and many other developing states. Plus, you've also really worked closely with civil society for a long time. So how do you think we can make sure that we go beyond commitments and words during 2020 and really focus on taking actions pertaining to 1325? What advice do you have for member states, the UN, and civil society on how to use the momentum and the visibility of the 20th anniversary of 1325 to generate stronger action? I believe that there are four 
groups of efforts which can be made by firstly the leadership of the secretary general of the united nations secondly by the member states of the united nations thirdly by the management and uh, senior officials of the uh, un system entities and finally by civil society among these four groups i believe that civil society is playing the lead role in advocating for the effective implementation of 1325 i believe that um, as we celebrate or i should say observe there is nothing to celebrate yet we would uh, emphasize the need for country level commitment and that commitment comes mainly through a preparation and adoption of the national action plan out of 193 member states only 81 have done that their own national action plan some of them of course have prepared a, a local action plan but without the national commitment it is very difficult to make forward progress so i believe that if by the next october that is october of 2020 if we can have say another 50 countries preparing their national actions plan we will be delighted about that and i think that should be a big effort secondly i believe another thing we can take is for the un secretary general to initiate a process of consultation with the member states for the implementation of 1325 he and hopefully in future she would be the main element in advocating for implementation and engaging the member states in that process i think this is very important secretary general should tell the un system leaders that this is his or her priority without that nothing will move thirdly i believe that when the member states come next september for the high level segment or um, year after during the anniversary particularly during the high level segment of the general assembly next year i would be very happy to recommend that all member states tell the un general assembly what they are doing to put women peace and security agenda on the center at the center of their agenda national agenda i think this is very important and another regretful side is the absence of awareness and engagement of the senior management of the united nations at the uh, the centrality of the wps agenda in their work it is very unfortunate that some of them sideline some of them are not really appropriately focused on this agenda as i say that women consists of half of humanity if that half is marginalized that half is not able to participate as equal partners then i think nothing works 
we are talking so much about the sustainable development goals we have 17 of them but none of the other goals will get effectively implemented unless we focus on goal 5 which is about equality and empowerment of women and girls that is absolutely essential nothing moves without the inclusion of women as equal partners because the first operative paragraph of the resolution 1325 emphasizes women's equality of participation so i will keep on emphasizing participation as equals at all decision making levels is the core of the 1325 resolution so that is very important and mm, uh, just to give you a background in march 2000 when i was the president of the security council on behalf of bangladesh at that time there was a, a hesitation on the part of the security council to take up the advocacy of civil society to integrate women's contribution and role in peace and security in the work of the security council so i thought i should take the advantage of my uh, key responsibility as the president of the security council to bring in that because i was a believer of that for long time and we could not get a resolution but on 8th of march on international women's day in the year 2000 the security council all 15 of us could issue a statement unanimously which emphasized that equality of women and men is inextricably linked to peace and security of the world and i think that is, that is a reality which has later on after uh, work of nearly 8 months we could reach uh, by the adoption of 1325 on 31st of october in the same year next year 20th anniversary will be observed but we are way off from giving the resolution a real meaning and that we have to see how we we can do that best i have shared some thoughts but i would look forward to continue our talking uh, i have spoken a lot <laughs> Thank you so much ambassador. Next, we would like to ask a question from men's perspective. It was eye-opening for me when you said the problem of gender inequality is rooted in male-oriented society. Therefore, men need to change. How are you able to make men become aware of the present situation and encourage them to work together in order to promote and implement 1325? Well that's a good question Hideko. Uh you have pointed out a very important area which uh, constrains the implementation of 1325. Uh UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres recently mentions that uh, everywhere we still have a male dominated society. And uh, I think it is important that if we want to move forward if we want to make our world a better place 
we have to do it together. And men cannot feel, continue to feel that they have done it for so long and they can continue to do it by marginalizing women's participation. It's absolutely essential that men realize that women's participation, particularly in the area of peace and security, brings in a new perspective, adds value to what they have continued to do so far. Without that, I think the opportunities that the world has uh, to take advantage of the participation of the totality of our population in our quest for a better life uh, will be lost. I, I think uh, you know that in 2011, uh, when the three women were given um, Nobel Peace Prize, uh, two from Liberia and one from Yemen, in giving that award, the Nobel uh, Committee a citation mentioned, and I would um, read that out. It says, and I quote, we cannot achieve democracy and lasting peace in the world unless women obtain the same opportunities as men to influence developments at all levels of society. And we have seen in politics, particularly in the area of security, it's a male domination continues and we have to make space for women not because we are doing them a favor but because their participation adds value and we cannot uh, continue to neglect 50 percent of humanity and we have seen i have seen myself as i traveled all over the world uh, particularly in the most impoverished countries, I have seen that women have brought in such a strength in keeping their societies together, in keeping the things moving in the right direction, in the best interest of their communities. And I think that we have to recognize. So this is, this is very important. And also I would like to say that since the adoption of 1325, the backlash against gains which we made or we expected to make following 1325 have been pushed back. And there has been a backlash of conservatism and fundamentalism against women's equality, women's rights, and girls' rights for education and uh, equality. And I think this, this is very important. I have said that time and again, that patriarchy and misogyny are the two worst scourges of humanity. And that pushes us back tremendously. We have to understand that unless we get rid of those mindsets among men, uh, nothing will move. And men should understand that it is not only in the interest of women, but in the interest of humanity, that women should be given equality. Or we should accept, men should accept 
equality of women as something very established, very integral to the progress of humanity. I should also mention that uh, men should understand, and I think the men are uh, the real perpetrators of inequality. And so they have to understand that unless they change their mindsets, nothing will happen. But I am also emphasizing another dimension, that is the growing militarism, growing militarization of the world. And there, men are playing a very, very uh, active role, which is very detrimental to the progress of human society. And I believe that it is very important. In your question, Hedeheko, there was a veiled uh, idea that uh, men somehow do not understand the issue of equality with women. I believe that this is wrong. Why? Because men understand everything else. When it comes to the question of equality, then they become dumb. And that, that is real dumbness. And I believe that if they want something positive to happen to this world, if we want sustainable development goals by the year 2030 to make real impact on our world, they should wake up and accept the equality of women in all areas of action. Thank you so much. One of the reasons why I'm interning at the GNWP is that I want to make a contribution to women's participation as a man. I am now determined to do so. Next, we would like to talk about politics. You said one of the reasons why politicians don't actively promote women and peace and security is that they don't find it effective for them to be elected. How can we change our tendency to pursue economic growth or political advantage rather than the solution to humanistic problems? In other words, how can we create a humanistic competition where we compete to make the world a better place rather than to gain political or economic power? Okay, um, I think that's a complicated question. I believe that uh, the objective of politics, particularly democratic politics, is to get into the power. Because the power gives you authority, mandate to do good things for the people. And that is how all politicians uh, try to present themselves or their programs, that we are seeking your votes, your uh, support to our election, because we want to do good to our people, to our country. But when election and getting elected and re-elected becomes the sole objective and misses the main objective of, of being of service to humanity, service to their people, we lose track. And so that is what happens, because like many elective offices in, in a democratic election or democratic process, people try to 
work out their agenda, their activities, their focus only on those areas which will give them a popular vote so that they can get re-elected. And sometimes the longer term agenda does not mm, synchronize with their electoral agenda because elections take place in most countries every four years or five years. But say we have sustainable development goals for 15 years. Who would be talking about the goals being achieved in 2030 when your election is next year? So you should, you means politicians, need to focus on how to get re-elected. Well, they say that if we get re-elected next year, we will be focusing on longer-term agenda. But again, that time frame of four or five years passes very quickly. So that is what I sometimes wonder, that this is a democratic challenge to the leaders to take up longer-term agenda like women's equality, like establishing human rights, like creating the culture of peace, like even uh, 15-year agenda of the sustainable development goals. So we have to see within that longer-term goal how we can secure immediate uh, goals, immediate objectives, how, uh, as they say, that you pluck those fruits which are ripe before other fruits. So start picking up those fruits first. So you should say that if we get engaged in by electing women in the local administrations, electing more women in the parliaments, giving more women cabinet positions, maybe their role and contribution will change the agenda and will show to the people that, well, we have now many women's contribution and that is working positively. Uh, as I say that when women join politics, they want to do something. But when men join politics, they want to be something. And that quest for power and authority works against the broader term interest of the society. So that, that is very, very important that uh, women need to come in because they, they have shown their ability to keep the longer term interest, interest of their children and grandchildren in their focus as they take a decision. While men on the other way. So the, the problem is that how do you get more women in the parliament if you are not nominated by your own party, which is again controlled by men uh, or senior older men. And I think this is very important that we have to encourage. And there comes the role of the United Nations because the United Nations is the conscience keeper of the world. United Nations is the norm setter of the world. United Nations is the leader in terms of new thinking. And that is what we need to do. And that is what I think uh, WPS agenda should try to establish in bringing in this kind of change in the mindset of the politicians, uh, of the de decision makers, 
and I, I think more and more time should be devoted by the UN system to focus on this equality dimension of women's participation. Without that, nothing will happen. And I'm saying this not to scare people away, but to encourage people, encourage men to think that this is the best way to be working for a world where our own children, boys and girls together, will enjoy and have a better life. So this is what I think politicians also should keep in mind. And then politicians are also motivated and sort of encouraged to change course when civil society becomes active. So at the country level, I would again advise that civil society voice should be stronger, particularly women's organizations at the country level should take up this issue of equality and change of mindset in a big way. Well, thank you so much, Ambassador, for such an inspiring and constructive conversation. Really, you've given me so much to think about now, and I'm sure everybody who listens to this is going to feel the same. Now, before we wrap today's talk, do you have any final words of wisdom for us or for the listeners? I I do not know whether I have any words of wisdom, but <laughs> I can uh, share with uh, your listeners about uh, the words of experience um, and words of uh, engagement. I think this is very important. All of us need to be engaged in the issues in which we believe in, engage in reflecting in our own lives, reflecting in our own interaction with others to show that we mean what we say. And also we act on the basis of what we believe in. So that that is very important. And uh, I would say that uh, as we move to the 20th anniversary of 1325, I would be expecting all of us to make feminism as integral part of our policy making, of our philosophy of life, of our quest for a better life, better world. I am proud to be a feminist. It is necessary for all of us to be so. Because I believe feminism is a smart policy. It is inclusive, it was equal in its approach, it is thinking for a better world. It is preparing the world to to realize that everything, rather everyone's participation is very necessary on an equal basis to make the world move forward. So this is very, very important and I would say that, um, which I have said always in various ways, that feminism should be taken up by all of us as our creed and as our mission in life. And I would be very happy if the UN system, Secretary General has recently mentioned about his being a feminist. I wish all the leaders, particularly men leaders, emphasize that, including women leaders also of the UN system. Now that we have 
equal number in the senior management group thanks to the new secretary general uh, we would like to see that all of them emphasize their being a feminist uh, feminism is not against men against women or women against men it is for all of us and i think this is very important and i always say uh, or rather end my um, presentations in various places by these words we should always remember that without peace development is impossible and without development peace is not achievable but without women neither peace nor development is conceivable thank you very much thank you so much for being here with us today ambassador and i hope you all enjoy our discussion we will see you in the next episode of gdmwp talk 1325